0: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling listen, it Opens up your eyes. Mercy is
0: waiting for you with every sunrise.
1: Men, women, youth, and children, including the pre-born children, should be respected regardless of their mental capacity physical ability or social standing value is not determined by ethnicity race or gender nor by age ability or background but by the sole fact that every human being is created in the image and likeness of god
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah. God Himself breathed life into humanity. He knew each one of us before we were even born and shaped us in our mother's womb. As Pastor Gary will stress in today's message, our lives are sacred and ordained by God, each one of us. As followers of Christ, that's how we should live. It should shape our approach to other people as much as it shapes our opinions on political policies. What would change in your life if you start looking at every other person as a sacred creation of God's? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, Chapter 18, as he begins his message, Sanctity of Human Life.
1: The Sanctity of Human Life extends to all of humanity. But the most vulnerable of humanity are the pre-born. Because of the legalization of abortion, the pre-born or the unborn literally have no rights and no protection. It was once said by someone that the most dangerous place to be is in your mother's womb. I'm going to tenderly and truthfully deal with this subject today. Not so much as a rant against abortion, although I am unequivocally pro-life, and that's because I believe that God values and cherishes human life that he has created. But rather, I'm going to place an emphasis more so on what I just said, that God values human life that he has created in his image, in his likeness, and that every person, from conception to natural death... Possesses inherent dignity and immeasurable worth, including preborn children, the elderly, those with special needs or disabilities, those who are terminally ill and afraid of being a burden to others, or those who are marginalized in some other way by society. Men, women, youth, and children, including the preborn children, should be respected. Regardless of their mental capacity, physical ability, or social standing, value is not determined by ethnicity, race, or gender, nor by age, ability, or background, but by the sole fact that every human being is created in the image and likeness of God. Now, I will warn you in advance that some of this teaching will get heavy. And some of you might fervently disagree with some of the things I'm about to say, or have already said for that matter. And my commitment to you is to try to do the best I can to teach the truth wrapped in grace on this subject. And I'm going to ask you likewise to try to do your best to keep an open heart and an open mind to this that I'm about to discuss with you, and that you stay through the end. Say, why would I need to say that? Oh, trust me, friends. (laughs) There's been different stuff I've said that I thought wasn't even a touchy subject, wasn't even a sensitive subject. And I've seen people take their clothes and march out. Okay, all right, God bless them. Uh, But the reason I say that is because I want you to hear all of it, don't judge it for a part, judge it for its whole, and don't miss the end, because I've saved the best for last. It's a moving story that you won't want to miss. So, let's start here in Jeremiah 18, I'm going to read the first six verses and tie this theme together, I think it'll become more obvious, especially when we look at 18 and 19 together, but first chapter 18 of Jeremiah, verses 1 through 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, and so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Well, in this chapter here, uh, Jeremiah gets instruction from the Lord that he is to go down to the house of the potter. This is very unique uh, because most of the time God tells Jeremiah to go somewhere. It is for the purpose of giving a message. Uh, but in this particular case, God's telling Jeremiah to go somewhere to get a message. In verse two, God says to him, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. Now, obviously, back in the day, they didn't have Hobby Lobby. They didn't have Pottery Barn to go to. But every town had a potter. And the potter would make for the people of that town the necessary plates and and cups and uh, lamps and pots and jars and whatever they might need. There was a potter in every major town. So Jerusalem is no exception here. And so God says to Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the house of the potter. I'm going to teach you something. God wants to use this whole imagery of the potter and the clay to teach Jeremiah something that is important for us to understand as well. It's interesting to note that there are different metaphors that God uses in the Bible to communicate his relationship with us. Many of you are familiar already with how God often portrays himself as as a husband and we are the bride, as a father and we are children. Often through scripture, there's this metaphor of his being the shepherd, we, we being the sheep. And then interestingly, here in Jeremiah 18 and 19, and, and other places also in the Bible, uh, the metaphor is that God is like a potter, and we are the clay. God says to Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the house of the potter. There's something I want to teach you. Now, now, with this theme in mind, God is the potter, we are the clay. I just want to uh, draw your attention to a few things here that, that we can learn. The, and, and again, here's the reference to this whole metaphor. In, in chapter 18, verse 6, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And then also we find this analogy in the book of Isaiah 2. In, in Isaiah 64, 8, Isaiah writes, yet O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. So with that with that imagery in mind, that metaphor in mind, I want you to look again here at chapter 18 of Jeremiah with me. And I want you to see a few things with me, some lessons I think we can glean from Jeremiah's visit to the potter's house. The first thing I want to point out is verse 3, where Jeremiah says, So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. Working at the wheel. The first thing Jeremiah observes is the potter working, using his skill, his craft, his artistry, working there at the wheel. Now, New King James Version says, and there he was making something at the wheel. For you note takers, the first important thing to realize is that we are all the design of the potter. We are all the design of the potter. You have no choice about where you were born, to whom you were born, and when you were born. The fact is that our birth is something we had zero say in the matter, and we were just born. We had no say in it. There was no choice in, in, in our uh, lineage, our heritage, the country we're born in, the family, the, the town, the, anything. This, this is all something that we just simply receive and inherit. And some of you were born into good families, and some of you were born into not-so-good families. And some of you don't even necessarily know your biological mother or father. But all of you, all of us, were planned by God. All of us were planned by God because God is the author of life. No life is an accident, is a mistake, or is unwanted to God. Do we understand this? No life is an accident, a mistake, or unwanted to God. The psalmist would write in Psalm 139, 16... All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you know that God has a book and that in his book is written your name and the number of days ordained for you even before one day came to be in your life? That's how much God loves life, values life, has a purpose and a plan for each individual life. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. We are created in the image and likeness of our Father in heaven. We are the design of the potter. And thus, every human birth is designed by God in a miraculous way. When a single sperm unites with a single egg and conception begins. A single cell is produced. And then that single cell begins to divide and to divide and to divide until the average adult body contains 70 trillion cells. 70 trillion cells. You know, you have approximately 100 billion cells just in your brain. 100 billion cells just in your brain. Well, I mean, For for some of you who did a little too much of that, not so many. (laughs) But on average, a hundred billion. Just in your brain. 206 bones, 600 muscles, and 93,000 miles of blood vessels in every human being. It's amazing. It's mind-blowing to think of the designer behind it all. Dr. Philip Bishop... A professor of exercise physiology at the University of Alabama, who also served as a visiting scientist in the NASA exercise countermeasures program at Johnson Space Center in Houston, wrote an article entitled, Evidence of God and Human Physiology Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. That's the, that's the title of his article. And in it, he concluded by saying, quote, after several years of spending full time studying the human body... I have to agree with the words recorded in the holy writings of the Jews and Christians. And then he's going to quote from Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 verse 14. You see, the human body and the wonderful complexity of it all is a testimony that every single one of us was the divine design of the potter. The other thing we notice here in chapter 18 of Jeremiah, if you look at verse 4, Jeremiah goes on to say, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot. Number two, another lesson we learn is that we are all marred, but we are not abandoned by the potter. We are all marred, but we are not abandoned by the potter. One of the things that can happen on the potter's wheel is that a lump of clay can get lopsided. It can get out of balance. It can get kind of hard to work with. Does it remind you of anybody? Yeah, we kind of all are like that. And so we're marred. We're sinful people. We've done things against God that have dishonored him, sinned against him. We are guilty before God. We are clay that is marred, that is out of balance, sinful. But instead of abandoning us, what does God do? He just reshapes us. He just reworks us. You know, know, when God is reworking us, it doesn't feel good, does it? Sometimes, I mean, the pressure, and he's just beginning to apply pressure, and he's beginning to just shape us a little bit and mold us. It doesn't feel good when God is doing his work in our lives, but the good news is that he doesn't give up on us because he continues to mold us and to conform us into the image of his son. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. The potter will never abandon you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. And he expressed his love for us supremely by the death of Jesus Christ on a cross for all those sins that have marred us. So rather than give up on us or abandon us as something worthless, he just reshapes us. And he reworks us and he stretches us. You know, that refining fire is what causes us to become even more conformed into his image and likeness. And sometimes the intensity of the heat is not fun when you're in it, but it molds us and shapes us into a vessel that is perfected in Jesus. And God is so tender with us. He knows just how to handle us and he shapes us rather than breaks us because we are all marred but we are not abandoned by the potter. And then the rest of verse four says, shaping it as he as seemed best to him. Number three, we are all valuable in the eyes of the potter. We're all valuable in the eyes of the potter. Now, I don't know about you, show of hands here, who's, gonna, who's willing to admit with me that once in a while, I, I like to watch Antiques Roadshow. Anybody else like to watch Antiques Roadshow? Okay. So some of you, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not like a follower of the show, but every once in a while when I come across a Channel Surfing, I'm like glued. Because what I love about Antiques Roadshow is how some unsuspecting person comes in and says, oh, this, this is a dish that my great-grandmother used to serve lima beans in, and, and I just don't, I don't really know if it's worth anything, it's pretty. And then there's some appraiser there and they take a look at this, and they're like, seriously, your great-grandmother served up lima beans in this dish? Yes, yes, why? This, this is a very valuable piece of Chinese porcelain from the Ming Dynasty, and it's worth $50,000. And then people get bug-eyed. They're like, $50,000? I can't believe it! And so th- I love the surprise of Antiques Roadshow. Where, and have you ever looked around your house and thought, this might be a piece of junk, or this could be worth $250,000? And you just, you just never know. You just never know. But that's the joy of the Antiques Roadshow. If you've never seen it, I think it's like on watch it sometime and everybody's you know eyes light up like i never dreamed it was worth that much you know sometimes we don't understand the value that we are in the eyes of god and sometimes we dismiss how much we are loved by him and valued by him but every life is valuable in the eyes of the potter that's why he shapes it as seemed best to him because god was working on the vessel. To bring about a perfected vessel for his glory because of the value that he sees in it, you now Ephesians chapter two verse ten says, we are god 's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he prepared in advance for us to do Ephesians 210 we are god 's workmanship the Greek word for workmanship in the original language is poema poema means work of art you are god 's work of art what makes art Valuable. What makes art valuable is the signature of the artist. Otherwise, it's just stuff for a flea market. But with the signature of a famous artist, artwork becomes the thing of collectors, the stuff that is hung in museums. You bear the signature of your creator, and thus, you being made in the image and likeness of of your creator, have great, immeasurable value and worth. We are valuable to God, so much so that He would send His Son Jesus to die for us. That's how much we are valued by the Lord. I'm going to say something that maybe you haven't thought of before, but I'm convinced in the whole abortion debate, one of the reasons why some people are pro-abortion is because they've also believed a lie, the pro-evolutionary theory. And the reason I think those two go hand in hand is because when you remove God from the equation of life, And you just resign yourself to think, well, I don't really think there's a creator behind all this, and I think we just all originated as pond scum, and then we eventually sprouted legs, crawled out of the pond, and over millions of years learned to stand upright and eventually get clothes and a job. I mean, if that's what you think, okay, and you remove the creator from the equation of creation, then you have diminished the value of human life. And no longer is life seen as something that is valuable and something created and designed by God with a purpose and a plan. But now life has just been reduced to something that is, well, it's dispensable, it's accidental, it's just a biological matter. I tell you, not so. The fact of the matter is that what God has designed is His work of art in the life of every human being that we likewise should cherish and value because God does without recognizing the creator the created has no value or purpose this is why God would say about Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations." It's amazing that there was a purpose and plan for Jeremiah's life before the guy was even conceived. That's how much God goes back even before conception concerning every human life. And not just for Jeremiah. The Bible says concerning all of us in Revelation seventeen eight, our names were written in the book of life from the creation of the world. God's design for humanity was that we might, through the exercise of faith, trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And He, in His foreknowledge, understood, even before we were conceived, who would receive Him and accept Him, and wrote our names in His book before creation. It's an amazing concept. Listen, The pro abortion argument goes, life begins at birth, and so therefore anything before birth is okay. The pro life argument says life begins at conception. But I think to be more true to Scripture, we should be pre pro life because God goes back even before conception. That's how much He values life. He loves you, He created you, He has a plan and a purpose for you. You're not an accident, you're not a mistake. No life is unnecessary. Every life is precious to God. But now, here's where it gets heavy. If you go to chapter 19, I'm going to read the first six verses. Jeremiah chapter 19. Verse 1 says, this is what the Lord says. Go and buy a clay jar from a potter. Take along some of the elders of the people and and the priests. And go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom. Near the entrance of the Potsherd Gate, there proclaim the words I tell you, and say, "Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says: Listen. I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this place, made this a place of foreign gods. They have burned sacrifices in it to gods that neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah ever knew." And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as offerings to Baal, something I did not command or mention, nor did it enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call this place Tophet or the Valley of Ben-Hinom, but the Valley of Slaughter." The pottery image continues into chapter 19, only this time the imagery gets dark. God says to Jeremiah, I want you to take a clay pot that you purchased from the potter, the finished project, and I want you to go down to the valley of ben Hinnom, and I want you to take with you some elders and some of the priests, and in the presence of all the people, I want you to smash that pottery. Just throw it down to the ground and smash it. And God was illustrating that in this way, judgment will come upon the people of Judah.
0: Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor Gary Hamrick's study on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary has been sharing from the writings of Jeremiah. And we hope you'll continue to tune in to dig deeper into this Old Testament book of prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out. Our phone number here is 703-771-1500. And when you call, let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or by downloading our mobile app. You can find a link on our website, or just search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the Teachings tab at CornerstoneConnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word. We'd enjoy meeting you, too. If you're in the Leesburg area, you're invited to join us at Cornerstone Chapel for our weekly services. You can get directions and service times at our website. One more time, that's CornerstoneConnection.cc That's all we have time for in today's teaching. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection.
1: They say you're a wandering soul, that you've got no place to go, but still, you know.